Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for being so anxious about so many things and not spending more time listening to you. Help us to turn to you and learn from you every day. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that little becomes much when you're in it. Help us to determine what enough is for our family and to joyfully and generously share the rest. Heavenly Father, thank you that your word is true and that your promises never fail. Thank you for meeting our needs and we live for you each day. We want to follow you fully. Help us to surrender all we are and all we have without holding anything back. And dear Lord, she has been a blessing to us all for many years. And now we ask that Jacob receives your blessings during surgery on Tuesday and the days to come. Amen. Amen. Our lesson for today is about um, two people, people who came to Jesus for help with a medical problem. And there's nothing surprising about that. Even today, we are dependent upon doctors for help with our medical situations. Uh, that, and maybe that's why it's uh, so fun to, to make jokes, uh, to tell jokes at the expense of the medical profession. For example, there's one comedian who said that my doctor told me that He'd have me up on my feet within two weeks, and he was right. I had to sell my car to pay his bill. On his feet, you know, he couldn't drive. I hate it when you have to explain it. (laughs) One uh, senior citizen complained that my left arm hurt, and so did my right foot and my neck and my back, and then I went to the doctor, and he tapped my knee with a little hammer, 
And his friend asked, well, well, so how are you now? And the man said, well, now my knee hurts. And one doc- doctor noticed that his patient was uh, concerned about his upcoming surgery. And so in an effort to calm him down, he began to share some of his own problems just to show that he could relate, that the patient wasn't alone. And the doctor said, you know, I'm, I'm under a lot of stress, too. I'm trying to figure out how I can pay for my my daughter's wedding and my son's college at the same time. And then the patient looked at the doctor and said, well, which am I paying for, the college or the wedding? <laughs> These jokes may be under the category of we laugh to keep from crying. But one statistic that may make us cry even more is this one. The average American will spend more than 49 hours in a lifetime seeing doctors. But even worse than that is that the average American will spend 64 hours over a lifetime waiting to see a doctor. The first person in our lesson who came to Jesus for medical help was a man named Jairus. Now, Jairus was a leader in the local synagogue, which would also make him a much-respected leader in the community. But Jairus' 12-year-old daughter had fallen ill and was at the point of death. And according to Luke's version of this story, she was his only daughter, and Jairus was, was desperate for help. So Mark tells us that when Jairus saw Jesus... He fell at his feet and pled with him. My daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. What a remarkable scene this is. You have a distinguished leader of the synagogue falling at the feet of an itinerant preacher and begging him to come help his daughter. But you know what? Anyone who who has ever had a sick child will understand what Jairus was going through. You'll do anything. You'll go anywhere. You'll spend any amount of money or energy or prestige to make sure that your child gets the help that he or she needs. And I want you to notice the the confidence that Jairus had. As far as we know, Jairus and and Jesus had, had never met before. And as far as we know, they've never had any contact with one another before this. But how often do some of us lose our confidence in Jesus when our back is up against the wall? We forget about our previous associations with Jesus. We, have, we forget about our previous encounters with Jesus. We forget about all of the things that He's done for us in the past. But the Bible reminds us that He can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even imagine. But we just have to come to him like Jairus, humble and believing. Well, at this point in our story, while Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house, there's a significant detour. Because you see, a second person in need of medical help is introduced into our story. This is a poor woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. We don't know exactly what her issue was. Perhaps she had a a chronic menstrual disorder or a uterine hemorrhage. All that Mark tells us is that she has suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She has spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she just continues to get worse. 
And that can happen sometimes, can't it? Even today. Modern medicine is a wonderful thing, but you know, not every problem is diagnosed properly. And not every disease is, can be healed. And this woman's condition, I am certain, would have been uncomfortable for her and debilitating for her. But listen to the worst of it. In her community, her condition would make her ritually unclean. And thus, in their eyes, she would be unfit for social and and religious settings. A woman in her condition would have been ostracized by everybody except for Jesus. Now that's both unsettling and encouraging at the same time. It's unsettling that the community would would reject her simply because of a medical condition. But it's encouraging to know that Jesus would never reject her. Now you may consider yourself to be unclean. Maybe because of something that you've done in your life or maybe you consider yourself to be unclean or unfit or for social or, or church interactions. But folks, let me tell you something. Jesus doesn't look at you like that. Because you see, through His grace, He sees you no matter what you have done in your life, no matter what you've been through, through His grace, He sees you as pure and beautiful. So let's see what happens here. This woman with this distressful condition presses through the crowd of people until she's able to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Because she she thinks that if I can just... Just touch his clothes. Just rub against his sleeve. I'll be healed. What a magnificent faith it is. And Mark tells us that immediately after she she touched his cloak, her prayers were answered. Her bleeding immediately stopped and she feels within her body that she has been freed from all of this suffering. But then Mark tells us, That something happened. You see, Jesus realized that some kind of healing power had somehow gone out of him. And so he turns around to the crowd that's pressing against him. And he asks, who touched me? Who touched me? Well, the disciples look at him and they're thinking... Look what's going on here. You've been jostled back and forth in the midst of this crowd of people. Everybody's bumping into everybody else. And so, so they say, look at all these people crowding around you. And yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had touched him. And finally the woman with this debilitating disease came and, and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, she told him the whole story. And what was Jesus' reaction to her? Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I want you to notice how Jesus turns propriety on its head. You see, society is calling this woman unclean, unworthy, unfit. But Jesus calls her daughter daughter your faith has healed you go in peace be free from your suffering well this woman is obviously thrilled she's been healed 
wonderful. Best day of her life. And she goes praising God. But let's go back to Jairus for a moment. Let's think about Jairus for a moment. Put yourself in his shoes for a second. Can you imagine how Jairus must be feeling all of this time while this encounter between Jesus and this woman is going on? I mean, think about Jairus. His daughter is at home dying. And Jesus has just stopped to help this poor woman. And and I'm sure that Jairus was probably sympathetic, but can't you just kind of feel his impatience here? Can't you just feel his impatience? Can't you feel his anxiety, his desire to, come on, Jesus, let's hurry this along. You know, can't you imagine his fear that his daughter will die before the Jesus gets there? And, of course, Jairus' fears are confirmed. Some people come out from Jairus' house and, and they say, your daughter's dead. Don't bother the teacher any longer. And that's a pretty normal reaction, isn't it? Maybe you're hoping against hope for a miracle and a friend just kind of shrugs and says, you just need to face up to things. There's no hope. Life is futile. Don't bother Jesus anymore. Well, friends, I want to tell you something. It's not over till God says it's over. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9 tells us that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. It may appear to us that all is over, but God has the final word. And it's never too late for God to come through. And listen to this. You are never a bother. Not to God. So keep trusting. Keep calling on God. Delay is not denial. Well, overhearing what these people said, Jairus uh, said to Jairus, uh, Jesus tells him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Calm down, Jairus. Just, just believe. And I'm not sure how Jairus would have responded to that. Maybe... Maybe the news was so bad that it just kind of took the wind out of his sails. I don't know. Or maybe he hung on to this last shred of hope at the word of the Lord. But when Jesus got to Jairus' house, the, the elaborate ritual of Jewish mourning was, had already begun. And, and it's, a, it's a big deal. When somebody dies in the Jewish community in, in this day and time, it was... Man, it was a commotion. People were crying and moaning and weeping. And and it's, it's just a real scene here. And Jesus said to them, what's all this commotion? She's not dead. She's just asleep. Well, they knew she was dead. So they laughed at him. And so Jesus kind of shooed everybody out of the house, said, let me let us have a little privacy here and took the the child's father and mother and three of his disciples into the little girl's room. And just picture this. He stoops and kneels beside her bed and takes her by the hand and says to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. 
And immediately that little girl stood up and started walking around. And as you can imagine, her parents and, and even the disciples were, were just astonished. A literal translation from the Greek, the, the translation of the word there from the Greek says that they were out of their minds with amazement. Folks, has God ever done anything in your life that just blew your mind? That just blew you away? You know? Many of us have seen things that, that God has done that just, just blows us away. People who have been healed. Lives who have been changed. Prodigals who have been restored. God is so great. But the story ends with Jesus giving those who witnessed these strict orders not to, not to let anyone know about this, this act of healing and ordering them to give her something to eat. Two powerful stories, two very powerful stories about two different kinds of people. One was a leader in the synagogue, a man probably quite well off, well respected in the community, well educated, well dressed, used to getting what he wants and he's there because of his love for his daughter. The other is a woman, no money. She spent all that she had on her medical bills. She's a social outcast because of her condition. She's probably not well educated. She's probably shabbily dressed. She doesn't even try to address Jesus personally, but she's content to just touch him as he walks by. Could any two people be more different? Only two things unite them. First of all, they are united by their need. Jairus is afraid for the life of his daughter. The woman who, who has been hemorrhaging for 12 years desperately wants to be healed. They are united by their need but they are also united by their faith in Christ. You see, they came believing, and their attitude was humility and reverence. There's a story. Beautiful story. Happy ending for, for all around. But what can we take away from these two stories? Well, th first of all, the first thing I think that we can take away from these two stories is this. We need to see that God is no respecter of persons. It doesn't make any difference whether you are top dog or the underdog. You are still important to God. And whatever it is that you are dealing with or going through in your life, it's, maybe it's a sickness or loneliness or depression or grief or conflict, give it to Jesus. Let Jesus handle it. Come to Jesus in humility and in faith and tell him all about your troubles. And like Jairus, your faith may be tested. It might seem like God's dragging his feet. Well, folks, delay is not denial. Delay is not rejection. God is no respecter of persons. Everyone is important to Jesus. Reynolds Price, the writer of and professor of English at uh, Duke University has uh, recently written a book on the Gospels. And when he was asked in an interview what attracted him to Jesus, here's what he said. He said, the striking thing about Jesus is that 
he showed compassion to everyone he met. He seemed to be available to everyone who needed him. He turned no one away. No one. Max Lucado put it like this. He said, so people came to him, to Jesus. My, how they came to him. There was not a hint of one person who was afraid to draw near him. There were those who moved him. There were those who were envious of him. There were those who misunderstood him. There were those who revered him. But there was not one person who considered him too holy or too divine or too celestial to touch. There was not one person who was reluctant to approach him for fear of being rejected. You see, Christ accepts everyone who comes to him in faith. Saint or sinner. Then there's the second thing that we need to take away with us. And here it is. In almost every contest in life, faith makes a difference. Doesn't matter whether you're kneeling beside the bed of a child who is seriously ill or whether you're facing an illness of your own, whether it's a problem at your workplace or rejection by someone that you care about, whatever you may be facing in life, faith makes a difference. Physical healing may come or it may not come. But faith will make a difference in how you handle it. Faith will determine your success in the workplace and even in your relationships. There may be disappointments and setbacks. No, there will be disappointments and setbacks in any endeavor that you have. But you will not be defeated until you let go of your faith. Because, folks, as long as there's God, there's hope. In a little book called uh, God's Little Devotional Book, there's a story about a woman named Mary Menachi. Shortly after she gave birth to her second child, uh, Mary Lou, Mary Lou was diagnosed with Cooley's anemia, which is a terrible disease that requires blood transfusions every two weeks, and it's usually fatal before the age of 20. Assured by physicians that this genetic disorder was very rare, extremely rare, Menachi and her husband had another baby, Rosemarie. And at the age of six months, she also was diagnosed with Cooley's anemia. And later, their older son, George, was diagnosed with Cooley's anemia, all three of their children. Well, of course, sadness gripped Mary's and her husband's heart. And one day Mary walked into Rosemarie's room and, and she was working on something. She asked, well, what are you working on there? And she was making this beautiful little pin that she was going to sell at a craft show. And she said, I'm going to earn all the money I can towards college. And Mary thought, didn't she know that she would probably not live long enough to go to college? And then a teacher phoned to report that Rosemarie had written uh, in, in school something she had written in school as, as the thing that she was most thankful for. And, and what she had written was good health. Can you think, can you imagine that? She has a fatal disease, but she's thanking God for good health. And Mary took another look at, at, at her three children. And what she discovered there was all three of them were embracing life. 
George was talking about becoming a geologist. And Mary Lou was earning her place on, an, on the honor roll at school and practicing, practicing her piano diligently. And Mary finally concluded, if they love life so much, am I to love life any less? My friends, let me say it again. Your life may be hard, but you are not defeated until you give up. God is no respecter of persons, so if you have a need, listen to this, folks. God cares about it. And in any important endeavor in life, faith makes a difference. As long as there is God, there is hope. Amen. Now, Christine is going to come and sing for us. Because I have been given much, I too shall give.
Thank you, Christine. Because I have been given much, I too must give. That's, um, that's what we are commanded in the Bible, to give uh, from our abundance and to share that with people who may not have abundance. Uh, we're about to do that. And this is a great church for doing that. Uh, you, you make me so proud. You really do. As I see you at work in, the, in this community and, and everywhere, you make me so proud because you are truly living the Christ-like life. You are truly being the presence of Christ, serving a world in need. And I'm so grateful for that. A group of us are about to leave in just a few minutes to go uh, to eastern Kentucky to build a house. They are your mission team, your extreme build team. And... Um, and we're grateful for each of them who have made a commitment to go. And some are going for the week and some are going for three or four days. Some are going for a day or two or one or however many. We're just kind of kind of in and out all week long. Uh, but they are giving their time and their efforts and spending their money to go to do God's work. And we are grateful for that. Um, but we are all involved in this mission. Um, some are going. Some are going to be hammering nails and sawing pieces of wood and putting up shingles and, and siding and things like that. Others are staying here. But you are involved with this as well because, folks, you need to be praying. You need, be, need to be praying for this group as we go to eastern Kentucky. So we're all involved in this mission but I would like to invite those who are going to eastern Kentucky to come forward right now and just kind of stand right here. We're going to have a little commissioning service, a, mit, a litany of commissioning. And this involves uh, this mission team. It involves those who are staying behind. It involves each and every one of us. Come on, Meredith. I see you back there. Whether you're coming, coming today, whether you're coming later in the week, uh, just come on up and, and be a part of this group here. Okay. Mary, would you come and lead us in this responsive reading? And let me invite everyone to stand as we do this. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your brothers and sisters and toward the poor and needy in your land. Go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Whatever you did for the least of these, of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did also for me. Missions, mission team, you have been called to work among these less fortunate. You will be leaving your comfort zone to work in conditions that are less than ideal. You will be hot and sweaty as the temperature and humidity climb. You will go to bed bone tired after a long and hard day's work. 
You may have times of frustration when things just don't go as planned. Are you committed to putting these things aside and trusting in God's hand to bear you up? We are committed to do what God has called us to do and to rely. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men and women that they may see your good deeds and praise your God in heaven. These are your words, Lord, telling us that we are to be your light, so that we may bring the light of life to others as we show them your God. As you work this week, there is something more than planning, directing, laboring, and even enjoying recreation that you must do. That is to show God's love as you bring light to individuals and homes where you minister. Are you committed to let your light shine in McCreary County, Kentucky this week? We are committed to showing and sharing our light so that others may know our Christ. As your church, we want to be a part of your mission. We will pray for you. We will pray that God will bless your work and that God will give you the strength, wisdom, and endurance you will need to keep your commitment. We will pray that you will be energized for the work ahead of you. We will pray for the residents of the area, that they will be open and receptive to your ministry. We will continue to lift you up in prayer this week. For in doing this, we have a part in your mission. And so you do. You have a part in this mission just as much as these who go. May the grace of Christ that daily renews our lives and the love of God that enables us to love all persons and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit make us keen to discern and prompt to obey the complete will of God until we meet again through Christ our Lord. Amen.